Amen. How many were challenged last week with a message last week? Oh, I'm going to give you some more this week. <laughs> I'm going to give you some more. And uh, I, I found every time I, I look into the Word, I find new things. So I want to especially welcome people overseas, people who are watching. There's some watching in San Diego. We want to welcome you, a special love to you, and some over in Sydney, some in Melbourne. Uh, there are some in London. Uh, there are people around the world. We just want to welcome you. And whatever God is doing here, then uh, we want Him to do the same in your life. And so we're glad you've turned up online. Uh, whether it's right now or whether it's in the future afterwards, you've been able to see it on YouTube. We're just glad to have you here with us and uh, pray that God's going to really touch you. Okay, then it's going to open our Bible again in the book of Genesis. And uh, I want to share with you, uh, uh, I want to continue where I was last week. What we did last week was we looked at uh, the uh, Garden of Eden and we looked at some key principles of how God relates to people. And it's quite astonishing when you see how He relates. And it's all there in the Bible. But you've got to think and read and, and meditate on it in order to catch the understanding of what's going on. So what I want to do is I want to pick up where I left off. And the last thing that we, we were talking about, and we're going to cover it, I'll touch on it again, is uh, how when Adam and Eve had sinned, how God initiated restoring the relationship because he still loved them. He doesn't worry if we've broken the law, done stuff wrong. He still loves us. We can't change him loving us. And he will keep, continue to reach out to us. But when Adam responded badly, that's when the problems really started for him. So God gave him an invitation. We're going to look at it again just to remind you, and for those who weren't here, uh, just what we covered last week. And then I want to pick up the, the theme of dishonor in Eden. And I want to show you this because it's a very, very powerful, important principle, and uh, I know it's going to be a help for you. So first of all, let's have a look at, uh, the first thing I want to look at is that dishonor in relationships always has bad consequences. Whenever you dishonor someone, there is always a bad consequence. When you are dishonored, there is a bad consequence. Dishonor always produces bad consequences because honor is a foundational principle of the kingdom of God. In Psalm 8, verse 4 and 5, God says, What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man you think of him? He said, For you've made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. So when God created men he crea and women, he created us for honor. You are created to be a man, a woman, a young person of honor. That is God's design for you. That word honor means to be weighty, to be heavy, to have substance, that you, you have value. Your life really is meaningful. Now, of course, many of us not experiencing that, we've been dishonored by life and also dishonored by our own things we've chosen. But you have to understand this, that the whole kingdom of heaven operates on the principle of honor. And so heaven is full of honor. When God created man, he put honor on him, value. So you can't change that. Whether you're broken, damaged, in prison, in a mess, you are still a person of honor because God created you in his image. Think about that. So in building relationships, honor is foundational to building a relationship. Dishonor will always destroy relationships. And we'll look into the, what happened there in a moment. So what is honor? Honor means weight or value. It means literally it's an attitude of your heart that is expressed in words and actions and the way you treat people. Honor. When you dishonor someone, that always goes before treating them badly. 
we often look at how people are treated, but it started off with dishonor. We treated them as having no value. So honor is a gift you give to others. It's your choice to honor them. It's your choice to value them. When someone comes near you and you welcome them, you are honoring them. You're acknowledging their presence and putting honor on that, value on that. So if you think honor, value, honor, value. So if someone talks and you listen, you are honoring them. There are lots of ways we honor people and honor builds healthy relationships. So honor of people, when you honor people, then they come up in, in your eyes and they, they actually are lifted up. So for example, if, if, if you do something for someone and they express gratitude, they are expressing honor. They're honoring you for what you've done and your heart will respond, you want to do more. If you do something for someone and they are ungrateful, unthankful, they take it for granted, they are dishonoring you and that affects your willingness then to be kind to them and do something good for them again. Does that make sense? Yeah, once you catch this, you, you, you can't, you'll never get over it. It's one of the most powerful principles in the kingdom of God. So here's the thing, is that the, the, the failure of Adam, we looked at the failure of Adam, we'll come back to it again. The failure of Adam caused personal and generational consequences. Most of us just live for ourselves and for the moment, we don't think in terms of generations. Our failure, Adam's failure, had personal and generational impact. You've got to keep thinking, it's not just about you, that when we fail in significant ways, it has a generational consequence. So let's read back where we were last time, Genesis 3, verse 8 through to about verse 12. And uh, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, uh, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. So they went and hid. I often think, man, what must that have been like to be in the garden and the presence of God suddenly fills it with all his majesty? Then they freaked out and ran away. And he said, the Lord God called Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten the fruit of the tree I commanded you should not eat? And then the man said, that woman. <laughs> and may I remind you, you gave her to me. <laughs> well, that's the problem right there. That woman and you gave her. Nothing to do with me. Now, and, and we're going to show you this. this is, so you notice there that Adam and Eve are experiencing guilt and shame and fear. That tells us that they lost something. The kingdom consists of the laws of God. When you violate the laws of God, guilt comes. The kingdom involves honor. When you violate the laws of God, then shame comes. The kingdom of God involves authority and power, boldness, confidence. When you violate the laws of God, then fear comes. And most people live with measures of fear and shame and some measures of guilt. So God, remember we saw last week, God initiated connection. He wanted to restore the relationships. So you've got to remember when God comes to Adam, his heart is to restore. He's still got a heart to restore. No matter how far you've fallen, doesn't matter how bad your situation is, because God is love, he will always take a step to restore. 
So God is coming to restore and to do his restoration. He doesn't come telling him off. He doesn't come with the big jandle. For those of you who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> doesn't come with a big jandle. Doesn't come with a big stick. He comes with a heart that's longing to be restored. And so he just asks questions. The questions are designed to cause a response. Do you understand? He's not forcing them. He's just asking questions. So the first question is, uh, you notice there, he says, well, where are you? Which is just an invitation to connect. Hey, where are you? Tell me about your story. Tell me about your life. Tell me what's going on. I need to get up to date with where you are. It's an invitation to, to connect. The second is, who told you that you ate the fruit of the tree? That was just an invitation to now disclose or become more transparent about his inner life. Then the third question that he asked him, which was the question, did you eat the fruit of the tree? Remember, when you read it, you probably read it with a bit of an attitude. So if you think that God is really angry, did you eat the fruit of the tree? Can you understand? If you've been brought up with authoritarian, controlling uh, 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 people in your life, you'll think of it that way. But God is just saying, did you eat the fruit of the tree? He's giving him a chance to front up and put it right. That's all it is, just an opportunity to front up and put it right. So the answer to that question, simple, yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but he had a bit of a long answer. That woman, you gave her to me. So, so you notice here, this is where dishonor begins in that very line. As I um, preached on it last week, I suddenly realized there's a lot more in that than I thought. I need to go back and have a re-look at it again. And so I've had a re-look at it again, and suddenly, whoa, wow, I saw a lot more than I had. So notice there, first of all, the first thing you need to see is, is when you look at it, is that God is the father of Adam. The Bible tells us in the end of the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 3, around about the last verse anyway, it says that Adam was the son of God. So, so Adam originated directly from God. God was his father, Adam was his son. And so God expected of his son honor. And uh, that's the first thing. See, so the word father means the originator. So when it says that God is a father, or use the term father, you're using the word which means the originator of someone. It means the, uh, the uh, author of someone. It means the source of your life. It means... Uh, the, literally also the head of a household. So when we hear the word father, we may put emotional connections around it, but it helps if you understand what the Bible understanding is, that a father is the source, the giver of life. Women are made to receive, designed to receive, men are made to be givers of life. So the father then is the source of life, the originator of life, the author of life, and it's because he's the author then, he deserves honor. You always need to honor your source. And so God is the source of life. So what you find now is that Adam dishonors his father, and he dishonors him in two ways. And when I show you this, you'll see, oh, my, I never saw that before. He said, notice this, he said, the woman you put me, put me with, she's the one. Now, what does the word dishonor mean? The word dishonor means exactly the opposite of honor. The word honor means weight. That's a weighty person, not they're big. In the, yeah, it means they actually carry substance. Their presence carries authority. So the word dishonor means to, it means to be like a vapor or a mist, nothing in it, <laughs> no substance. 
something that carries no weight, no authority, no influence. That's what dishonor. So, so the word dishonor means to treat as having low value or no value, little value, little worth. No worth, no value. That's what it means to dishonor. Get the idea? Uh, the word dishonor means also to despise or to hold in contempt. Means to bring shame on someone. So if we just use the word honor means to place value upon, dishonor means to put little value on. Okay, so Adam dishonors his father in two ways. And then I want you to see how we should respond to dishonor. Because people don't get this. They think I need to love and keep loving. No, no. This issue of honor is a very, very important one. So we need to use God as the model in it, okay? So the first thing, he dishonored him by disobedience. He disobeyed his father's command concerning the tree. Now, what you've got to see in it is this. God is the ultimate authority. He's the creator of everything. Because he created it, it is his right, because he's the author, to set boundaries and give directions. If you made something, you're the owner of it. You've got the right to say how it will be used. So even if you have a uh, purchase an item, usually the originator of it, the author of it, will give you instructions. So God has the right to set a boundary. And if you, by setting the boundary, God gives Adam an opportunity to honor him. So basically, he said, here's the thing, you're my son, I'm giving you all these opportunities, but over there's, there's that tree, I don't want you to eat that tree. If you eat the tree, the consequence is that. So what he's doing is setting, you can do all of this, but you can't do that. And what I want you to do is to respect my position as your father and originator and cooperate with the boundary I've set. To violate the boundary is to show disrespect and dishonor for me. Any idea? So when you set a boundary, then the boundary needs to be respected. And if it's disrespected, that's dishonor. So to respect the boundary is to respect the honor of the person, is to honor the person. So if, for example, if someone says, I don't like you standing too close to me, you're standing inside my personal space and I'm feeling a bit vulnerable. If I continue to stand there, I'm dishonoring them. If I step back, then I'm showing respect for them and honor for them. They have set a boundary. And you have every right to set personal boundaries. If, for example, the issue of sexual abuse is a violation of boundaries. Someone violated someone's boundaries and deeply wounded and impacted them. Can you understand what, what is happening there? They defile them and destroy their boundaries and they leave the person in shock and all the other things that go with it. So boundaries are very, very important. You have boundaries. Your body, your skin forms a boundary. It forms what's inside is you, what's outside is something else. So, so, so boundaries are very, very unhealthy. They, boundaries define responsibility. So basically he said, I want you to respect that I'm God and the creator and don't eat that tree. That's really the deal. And so, so we see then that his his act of disobeying and eating the, uh, the fruit of the tree is actually despising and placing no value on God and his command. He's dishonoring him. So when children, when children disobey their parents, they are dishonoring their parents. When children scream and yell at their parents, they are dishonoring their parents. You get the idea? When boundaries are set and you violate them, you're, dis you're dishonoring the person who set the boundary. 
So, so, so the first thing was disobedience. The first thing he did was he broke the boundary. He ate the fruit of the tree. So God gives him a chance to put it right. So God again is coming. He still honors him. He still values him. He still longs for relationship. And he's giving him a chance to put right the dishonor. And then Adam does it a second time. He gaslights God. He refuses any responsibility for what he's done. That's what involved in gaslighting people. And then he passes the blame onto someone else. He not only passed the blame onto his wife, he passed the blame onto God as well. Now I want you to see what he's doing when he's doing that. He is deeply dishonoring God. One, by not taking responsibility, he's bringing shame on his father. And secondly, He's making an accusation. You goofed when you made her. See, implicit in the blame is an accusation. Accusations come from the devil. He is accusing God of making a mistake. Total disrespect, dishonor. And God cannot ignore that kind of disrespect. You the idea? Okay, so God will always protect and safeguard his honor and dignity. That's what you're meant to do, safeguard your honor and dignity. So on the one hand, God is a very loving father, and we love that. Oh, God, we can come to him and call him father and daddy and Abba because we're born again and we're in his family, but never lose respect for who he is. He's not just a loving father. He's also a king of glory and majesty. And, and the problem is familiarity with people causes us to then disrespect and dishonor them. We, we begin to devalue what they have and what they give. We, we just, because we're familiar, we've been used to it. Adam was familiar with being with God. He took it for granted, but once he lost God's presence, that's another thing altogether. See, so, so he's, he's a king over all creation. I love that last song we were singing. It was just full of the glory and honor and majesty. The music, the, the, today's worship was just wonderful. Thank you so much. You know, and it says in Ephesians 1, it calls God, he is the father of glory or the father of honor. He's the originator of honor. And you lie to him and accuse him, oh my. See, in, in Psalm 144 verse one, he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my God, you are very great. You're clothed in honor and majesty. Honor and majesty is before him, it says. So can, can you see there that God is clothed with honor and majesty? So you can't dishonor him without there being a consequence. He just won't let you do it. That's why Jesus said, if you want to build a relationship with God, then you come to him this way, our Father in heaven, we honor your name and nature. We give you honor. You just, it's just how you approach him. It's the protocol for approaching someone great. You do it with respect. Don't say, ah, oh, g'day, mate. See, this is the problem. You see, that kind of familiarity breeds dishonor in relationship and stops you receiving who they are and what they can give to you. When you dishonor God, you shut down the move of the supernatural. Simple as that. When you dishonor people, you shut down access to what they could give you. Ooh. If you want people to open up to you, honor them. Oh, well, they don't deserve honor, and that's not the point. Whether they deserve it or not is not the issue. Honor is the way we treat people because it's a kingdom principle. 
Do you understand? It's a kingdom, it's a way you do life. You show honor and value to people. Even people who are not deserving of honor, we still value them and honor them because they are made in the image of God. They're just broken people, that's all, behaving badly, but they still, I can give them honor. And if I give them honor and treat them as someone of value, they will open up their life. If I dishonor them and judge them and speak down to them, then they will shut their heart and there will be no relationship. So God doesn't come out of his authority and power. He comes in humility and meekness to Adam. Did you eat the fruit of the tree? Can, we, can you work this out? Can you own this stuff and put it right? Oh, no, you did that. You dishonored me and denied it all and blamed someone else. I can't let that one go. I can't let it go. And God won't let it go either. And that's what we have to understand. He won't let it go. He, won't, he will not allow us to dishonor him. Dishonoring him is our choice. The consequences are not. So you understand that the moment Adam dishonors God in this way, God stops talking to him. And the next time he talks, he initiates a boundary, meaning he's excluded from access to God. And secondly, consequences. There's a suffering of a loss of the privileges and rights he enjoyed before. Should we say that again? When he dishonored God, God sets a boundary, you now can't access me. The, 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 the enjoyment we had in the day of meeting and talking and fellowshipping, that ceases from now that you have disrespected me. And there's now consequences that the privileges, the blessings, the benefits that as your father I put on your life, all of those are removed now. Whoa! And here's the thing, is that doesn't just affect him, it affects his family. In other words, dishonor at the very beginning, in the book of beginnings, the Bible's trying to help us understand that dishonor doesn't just affect your life, it affects the next generation. It's a generational issue. Really important to understand that. Okay, so, so what, what happened as a consequence? Well, here it tells us in Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, uh, it, and, and this is the Passion Translation, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Everyone who came after him was affected by his dishonor. In other words, the consequence of dishonoring God is really serious. God is loving, God is forgiving, God is full of majesty. Don't dishonor who he is. And so the impact was immense. So here it says in Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered the human experience. Death was the result. So death followed this sin, casting shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. So now, I want you to see this, that if you're old here and you're suffering aches and pains and, and death is imminent, you got someone to blame, and what he did was he dishonored God. And you are his descendant, therefore you've experienced that dishonor. That's the problem. That's why dishonor can never be overlooked. Dishonor always has to be put right. Dishonor. And so we're thankful that Jesus came, took our shame, so we could be put back in the place of honor again. So what did he lose? Think about this, what did he lose? See, God not only set a boundary and said, you can't come near me into that intimate relationship again. He put an angel so he could not come there. But he did number, number he just stopped, the, the source stopped. 
In other words, everything that Adam had enjoyed was now removed. It's not that God didn't love him. It's just dishonor caused him to lose access to benefits. So when you honor people, you are given access to them and you enjoy the benefits of what they can give to you. But if you dishonor them, then a boundary, they don't want to talk to you anymore and whatever access you had, you lose. It's a, it's a principle of life. It's how it works. So what did he lose? He lost favor. That meant he lost access to provision and resources. He lost favor. And favor is what you need. You need favor with people so you can have access and they can help you in your life. He lost peace. He become tormented with insecurity and shame. If you struggle with that, guess where it come from? Come out of Eden initially. He lost relationship. He become emotionally orphaned. He lost authority. He become subject to demonic oppression. He lost his authority, literally lost it. His authority depended on him being honoring God and being in relationship. When he dishonored him, he lost all of that. Now he's left. We've got a freedom retreat to help try and fix up the mess that this created. Dishonor, disrespect for God. He lost health. He becomes subject to sickness and death. He lost legacy. The generations to come after him would all suffer. How about that? So now you see that honor is foundational to the kingdom of heaven. Now get this. Honor is foundational to building a nation. Honor is foundational to building a nation. So if dishonor comes in, then, and I'll show it to you in just a moment, very, very clear, and this is where we're getting to because it started in Eden. So if you were to build a nation, how do you build a nation? Well, God wanted to build a nation. He still does. And so we find that in Exodus chapter 15, uh, 19, verse 5, and he's talking to Israel, having saved them out of Egypt. Now he says, this is, I've, I've saved you, but I actually want something. This is what I want. I really want you to know you are a special treasure to me. I really deeply love you above everyone else. And secondly, he said, I want to make you a royal nation, a kingdom of priests. So, so God saves you, not just so you can have a better life. God saves you so you can have a deep love relationship with him. And so he can build us into a nation of people, a godly nation, a kingdom of priests. Now, not just a democratic nation. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a democratic nation. He said, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. People who have access to me, come into my presence, can draw from my blessings. That's who I want to make you to be. Now, when you get saved, you give your life to Christ, you are saved out of the power of sin, but to become a kingdom of priests, oh, you've got to choose that. So when we come together, it's not to sing a few songs in the service, it's to exercise our priesthood, to worship him, give him honor, give him a gift, give him praise, give him glory, give him gratitude. It opens the heaven for us to receive. Okay, so that's what God had in mind. God had that in mind. Okay, so, so a kingdom is a realm over which a king rules. A kingdom is not like a democracy. It's a system of governance where a king rules, a king's will is done. So a kingdom is a realm a king rules over. That means what he wants done gets done. So when you look at a kingdom, it's got to have a king. God is our king. We're translated out of a kingdom of darkness when we come to Christ into the kingdom of God. Now you've got to learn to live in a kingdom. It's a new way of living. It has a king. It is a people, there's a territory, and there is a law, there's laws. Every kingdom has laws. 
Every society, if it's going to work, must have laws. The laws are not bad. They're, they're there or they're placed there to make it safe for everyone so you can prosper. You have to have some laws. And God has laws for his kingdom. And so we're reading in Exodus chapter 19, I'll make you a kingdom of priests and holy nation, verse six. So the nature of the kingdom is the nature of the king. So the kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of fear and horror and torment because the king behind it is like that. The kingdom of God, however, is different. The Bible says that God is love. Therefore, the whole of the kingdom of God is full of love and full of honor, but it still has laws. And so God set a law in place. And here's what it is. When God called the people to be a nation, he basically set up a system of laws. Okay? And here's what the laws were. They were called the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments are nation-building laws. They, are, they form a foundation for how we relate. God is king. God is, uh, God is love. And so he sets some laws. Now, you've got to understand, they're not, you shan't do that, you shan't do that. It's nothing to do with that. Jesus said the whole of the law is fulfilled by just love God, love people. So when you read the Ten Commandments, it's not about God saying, stop this, stop that, don't do this, don't do that. I'm a meanie, I'm taking away all your fun. It's not that. He's saying, my kingdom is a kingdom of love. These laws express it. But in case you, didn't, if in case you couldn't get what it means to love God and love people, I'm putting it down in writing for you. Don't do this, don't do that, don't steal. That's not loving. Don't kill, that's definitely not loving. You understand, He's actually, it's the law of love. Jesus said, if you love God and love your neighbor or, then, or love people, then you're fulfilling that law. But then he, he lays it out very specifically. And the 10 commandments are divided into four commandments about God, loving God, what it means to love God. And then the other six commandments are about loving people. So the first one, of course, is the most important one. It talks about loving God, not having idols. Now, when it comes to dealing with people, guess what the most important commandment is? It's the first one, the head of the list. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that you may dwell in the land, that it may, you may live long, it may go well for you. So notice the first commandment dealing with people and how we relate to people starts off in the home with the family. So in God des desiring to build a nation, he says, here's how you relate to me, here's how you relate to people. The first, you must respect who I am, I'm the source. The second, the first commandment related to people, Commandment number five, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that you may live long in the land that it may go well for you. Very simple. Now, the other commandments actually reinforce that. Don't steal, don't kill, don't lie, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, don't commit adultery. Well, that's protecting family. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. That's also protecting family. In other words, to build a nation, you build family. Hello? To build a nation you build family. Okay, the converse is true. To destroy a nation, destroy family. Which is what's going on. You need to see what's going on. If you don't see what's going on, you'll tolerate it and you won't know where you stand on it all. Get any idea? Okay, then. So now let's go and have a look, look, go back through these commandments now. 
So as we go back into this one here in the first command, he says, notice here he says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. So this commandment to honor your parents carries with it a blessing if you do what he says to do. So honor results in blessing. It's also true dishonor will result with problems. So I can tell you from counseling that the far majority of the problems I find in people, they violated that commandment. The first one, which deals with their parents. Why is it so important? Because your parents are the first authority figures in your life. They are God's first representatives in your life. They are to prepare you to learn about authority and about love and about respect and honor. That's why there needs to be respect and honor built in families. When you see children disrespecting their parents, they're being set up for destruction. And if the parents don't understand the need to insist on the children respecting them and relating to them properly, then they have been corrupted by forces desiring to destroy the nation. Oof, suddenly got quiet. I could feel the air suck out on that one. I'll go a bit further. <laughs> well, you've got to see it. If you see that God is wanting to build a nation on the earth that reflects what he's like, and the two sets of laws are concerning loving God and loving people, and loving people begins with honoring your parents. If you can't do it there, you won't do it out in life. Okay, then. Now, notice here it says, honor your father and mother. It doesn't say, honor your father and father. It doesn't say, honor your mother and mother. It says, honor your father and mother. In other words... God is defining what a family is. It's a man and a woman in covenant relationship. If you try, so, so to, to redefine family is not an issue of love and inclusion, although it's presented that way. So in our culture today, there is a strong voice to redefine family as being a father and father, a mother and mother. But when you do that, that's not love and inclusion, that's directly undermining and resisting what God ordered. Therefore, it's going to lead not to what you expect, it's gonna to lead to destruction. So it may have a feel good thing about it, I've been loving, I've been kind all that, but actually, it is directly resisting and undermining the order God set for society, for family building, for nation building. Now, this is not, we say hate anyone or anything like that. People have got issues they struggle with and God will help us with those and we're not against those situations. I'm just telling you what God has ordered, see? Notice also that God says father and mother. He doesn't say mother first. He says father first. There's a reason for that. God created Adam before Eve and God confronted Adam and held Adam responsible. God intends fathers to carry the primary responsibility in the family. That's his intention primary responsibility for the spiritual life, the welfare, protection, safety, provision of the family. That's God's order. Now, it doesn't mean controlling and abusive and dominating and selfish. It means the father's role is to serve as the leader initiator to work with his wife to build the family environment where honor is part of the family culture. Now, if he's gonna lead the family, he needs to be a man of honor. Sadly, 
There's too many men who are not honorable men. They're dishonorable men. They want sex with a woman without a covenant relationship. They get the woman pregnant and abandon them, or they become abusive men. This is dishonoring, dishonorable behavior. It, it, it causes the whole family to be disrupted. If you, you've got to see it, and, and see these things are becoming very acceptable now. And because, because they're becoming acceptable doesn't mean they're right. We've got to go back to God's order. So here's the promise, honor your father and honor your mother that it may go well for you, may live long on the earth. So God puts it out very clearly that the blessing of honor, there is a blessing associated with honor of your father and honor of your mother. Now it doesn't say anything that this is conditional on whether they're good people or behave well or do their job well. It's just saying you need to learn to honor because this will make your life go well. This is something you do as your gift. It recognizes they occupy an office that God has given to represent him in the earth. Whether they did it well or not, now that's a secondary issue. God just says, you honor. Honor is your gift to them, to treat them well, to treat them with respect. And so not only that, it's very clear that if there's a promise to, if we do it, there's also a warning. If we don't do it, life won't go well. Life expectancy will be shortened. And uh, notice this also uh, in 2 Timothy. It tells us in the last days, one of the things that will characterize the last days are in families. Disobedience to parents and lacking natural affection. In other words, hardened towards family. It says in the last times, be very difficult times because Family life will be characterized by the breakdown of honor in the family and natural affection will, will be lost. In other words, people are quite hard and bitter in their hearts. Now, there are some consequences for the, uh, for the violating the fifth commandment. There are Now, so through the Bible, so we sing it as a principle, a foundational principle. Now, you can understand now why God reacted so strongly to Adam. Adam is violating the principle of honor your source, honor your father. And he cannot just let it go. He has to call him out on it and have consequences. Now, if you look through the law and you go through the Old Testament, it's not always easy to get a hold of it. But if I just share with you a few scriptures to show you how important they considered this issue of honoring your parents. Did you realize that striking your parents was a capital offense? That meant you could be punished by death for hitting your parents? That cursing your parents, speaking evil of them, you could be put to death for that. I don't know whether anyone was put to death or not, but that's the capital, it's still the capital sentence there. Let me just read you the verses simply. Exodus 21, 15, whoever strikes his father and mother shall be put to death. Okay, Exodus 21, 17, whoever curses his father and mother shall be put to death. What about a son that's stubborn and rebellious and won't do what he's told? They deliver him to the elders. Tell him, and, and, the, and he's put to these stone with stones. Deuteronomy 21.10. Deuteronomy 27.16. Cursed is the one who treats his father or mother with contempt. So notice there the death penalty. Notice secondly, curses. That means your life is destroyed by demonic spirits. Thirdly, Proverbs 20 and verse 20. Whoever curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put into deep darkness. That means spiritual darkness. You can't see why you're making mistakes and why things are going wrong. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 17, the eye that mocks his father scorns obedience to his mother. The ravens of the valley will pull it out and the young eagles will eat it. Demonic oppression. 
1 Timothy 5.8, if you don't provide for your own, especially those of your own household, including your parents, you've denied the faith, you're worse than an unbeliever. You understand, over and over and over, the Bible's just saying, this is an important principle, honoring your parents. There are severe consequences if you don't. And here's, what about this one? Ongoing strife and conflict in relationships. Almost every situation which I've had to deal with with marriage, the source of the conflict were unresolved issues and bitterness towards a parent. So Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, don't be deceived, God isn't mock. Whatever a man sows, he will reap also. So if you float, sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. Sow to the spirit, reap life. <laughs> we got this one on. Have we got power back? Oh, got power. How about that? How about that? Okay, we're right again. We're back on. Okay, ongoing strife. So, so if you remain angry at parents, you then will reap anger in your relationships and marriage and with your children. If you're bitter at your parents, you'll reap bitterness in your marriage and relationships and with your family. If you judge your father and your mother because of faults you see, you'll end up doing the same things in your marriage and in personal life. See? If you rebel against the authority of your parents, you'll have conflicts with authorities and your own children will rebel against you. That's what sowing and reaping looks like. What you sowed came back to you, but it's bigger. That's why people can't solve some of their problems in marriage and family because they haven't considered maybe the roots are not just the current behavior. Maybe they're just the fruit of a, we're reaping something that we sowed years ago that we need to check out and put right. Okay then, so in summary, uh, so we see then dishonor parents has massive consequences. So even if you don't get put to death, spirits of death that create isolation and torment are able to come around your life. Even though you may not be stoned to death, nevertheless, rejection becomes a part of your life. So there's all kinds of things happen which are the consequence of violation of the law. Now I, I went through and checked through the Bible. I won't give you all the verses on it. Um, I'll make notes available to those who are interested. But I checked out and I looked through. I said, God, show me people in the Bible and what happened to them when they dishonored their parents. Just bring some things to mind as I'm praying. And suddenly I got a whole list of them. Oh, my goodness. Whew. I'd only seen one before. Now I've started to see them all over. And uh, I won't give them all to you. Remember what he says? Uh, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise, that it may go well for you and you may live long. Okay, that's the promise. So dishonor means it doesn't go well and you don't live long. That means you die early. Now get a few of these. Man, oh man. Cain, Cain, how did he dishonor his father? Well, he killed his brother. Terrible dishonor to the family when he did that. And so the ground was cursed. He became unstable and he couldn't settle anywhere. He kept moving around from place to place. Think about Ham, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Ham uncovered his father. Noah got drunk. He uncovered him, and then he talked to everyone about his father. In other words, he gossiped to others about the weaknesses and sin of his father. What happened? His whole family line was cursed, and all the opposition in the Bible to the people of God came from that family line. That's not good. That's not going well at all. What about Jacob? Jacob lied to his father. Remember, he dressed up, and, and, and he put the uh, hairy cloth on, went in, and he pretended to be his brother so he could steal the blessing. What happened to him? Well, his sons deceived him. 
about Joseph? They said, no, the animals got him. And, and the Bible tells us that he would refuse to be comforted. He remained grieving all the years of his life. It's incredible, isn't it? What about Rachel? Rachel stole her father's idol, then lied and covered it up, put them under and said she was having a period, and so they couldn't check out, <laughs> couldn't find these things. And what happened to her? Well, she died young, somewhere around about 36. Uh, we find uh, uh, there's another guy called Abimelech. Abimelech uh, was a half-brother to 70 brothers, uh, and what uh, Gideon's sons, and what he did was he killed them all, dishonored his father through killing him. And uh, so what happened to him? He had a premature death. A woman threw a brick on top of his head and crushed him. What about Michael, David's wife? She was bitter towards her father because of the way he treated them both. And the Bible tells us when David was established as king, David's heart was free. But Michael's heart was full of bitterness. She despised her father. She despised her husband. She remained barren. Barren marriage, barren womb, barren spiritually. Consequences. Consequences. Think about it. Absalom was another one. He's the son of David. What did he do? He stood at the gate and he undermined his father. He spoke bad about his father. He, he undermined him, undermined his authority, undermined his leadership, took a whole group away and started an uprising to take over. What happened to him? He died young too. Got caught up in a tree and he was stabbed to death. Solomon, Solomon dishonored his father, rejected his father's counsel, got involved with these strange women, lots of them. They led him into idolatry. He lost the kingdom. He lost the glory of God. He lost everything that's of value. So these stories are right through the Bible. These stories are right through the Bible. What if a parent is absent or abusive? Well, that sometimes happens. And uh, sometimes the parent is absent. Sometimes the parent is abusive. So there's a number of things about that. I haven't got the time to develop it, but very simply this. Honor is our gift we give. It doesn't come with conditions. It's just keeping your heart free. So where there's been abandonment and where there's been abuse, we need to actually face the pain and grieve, let it go. We need to learn to forgive and stay in the place of honor and blessing. If it's serious, we need to set boundaries. There are many examples in the Bible where it tells us about this kind of thing. So in, in, uh, in, Exodus, uh, sorry, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, it says very simply, it says this. Talking to children, so children obey your parents, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, and then fathers don't exasperate or cause your kids to get angry, but rather raise them in the admonition and warning of the Lord. So he's talking about family. He uses the word obey. And honor. They're two different words. You have to understand the difference. He's talking about children who are dependent on their parents at home, obey them and honor them. Once you grow up and form your own unit and separate from how you're not required to obey your parents, but you are still required to honor them. But sometimes we need to put a boundary because their behavior is so destructive and abusive that maintaining close connection would actually damage us. And that's supported right through the Bible, many examples of that. So, wonderful principle. I want, how many had your eyes opened over that one? It's foundational for nation building. It's foundational for family building. Yet, it's one of the most violated principles. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? There may be someone here today, and you are not a Christian yet, you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. Become a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says because of Adam's sin, all have sinned. All of us are living less than what God wanted. 
God is inviting you today, just as he came to Adam, inviting you into relationship with him, inviting you not to follow your ways or follow the culture, follow the crowd, but to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And it starts with the decision to put your life in his hands, to receive him as your savior, acknowledge the sin in your life, and you say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me, to put your spirit in my life, to welcome me into the family of God. Would you do that for me today? I wonder today, is there anyone here right at that place ready to make that decision to receive Jesus Christ? Just raise your hand quickly. Just right now, there's someone here right at that place, right at that point. Just raise your hand right now. God bless us. See your hand over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Holy Spirit, come and uncover in our hearts where we have dishonored a father or mother. Show us the places and times that you want us to bring resolution to. If you're struggling in your heart right now because your experience with parents is painful, make a decision to repent of harboring it in your heart. Let go of the judgments. Let go of the vows. Let go of the promises you made. You'll never let them hurt you again or you never do this or never do that. Never be like them. Just repent of it. Bring it to the Lord. Perhaps as some of you are struggling with deep dishonor. You have felt, whether it's real or not, you have felt devalued. Perhaps it was in the home. Perhaps it's been somewhere else. Perhaps it's been in your marriage. Perhaps it's been in your family. You're saying, God, I'm feeling devalued. Lord, I'm asking that you would touch my heart and life. I would feel your presence. Perhaps some of you have dishonored God, just some of the things you've done. You blamed him for things he never did. Blamed him because life went wrong. Did what Adam did, accused God. Listen, that's not going to help you. Just repent of it. Say, God, I'm sorry. Every gift that's good comes from you. I wrongly blamed you because I was angry. I believe God's wanting to touch people very powerfully today. For you to experience you are a person of value. So whatever issue is in your heart and life today, would you let the Holy Spirit touch you? Would you bring that to Him? Say, God, help me. How many today are knowing that God is speaking to you very clearly? Just raise your hand. You felt God speak to you in your heart, your life. God bless, God bless, God bless. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. I want us to flow into that song we were singing before, the last one there about that majesty. We have the musicians all flow into that. Let's just stand and let's begin to honor God right now. And those of you that would like prayer, would like ministry, to have the power of dishonor broken over your life, to have God's touch come on your life again, why don't you make your way to the front right now? Those of you that want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'd love you just to come to the front. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment. We'll all pray that prayer. It's a prayer to invite Jesus Christ to be in your life. There's others here today struggling with dishonor, struggling with shame, struggling with grief over being dishonored. 
Just come. Come right now. Come right now. It's one of the most painful things is to be discarded as if you have no value. You have value to God. He wants to meet with you and remove your shame. Would you come? Would you come? There's others need to come today. Lord, we honor you. We love you, Lord. If you need to repent, just do it right now. Is there someone you need to forgive? Do it right now. Do you need to grieve? Talk to the Lord about it right now. There's others need to come. Many others need to come that are struggling in this area. Either you've dishonored your parents, or they have dishonored you, or you believe they have, or you've struggled with dishonor in other areas of your life. You say, Jesus, today I want to come. I want you to touch my life powerfully. Would you come? Would you come? Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's worship him. In a moment, we'll lay hands and pray for people. Who's that young man that wanted to give his life to Jesus? Over there. I'll come over to you in a moment. Come on, let's worship Jesus. give his heart to the Lord. I'd like us to join. We're going to just pray the sinner's prayer. And Regan, if you just listen to this prayer and just follow me. Prayer is just speaking, speaking words we mean and believe in our heart. God hears those words and responds. So just close your eyes. And church, let's stand with them and let's pray the same prayer. Jesus, I open my heart to you. 
I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my shame and dishonor. Today, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I turn away from sin, and I choose to follow you. I receive forgiveness. I receive your Spirit into my heart, and I give you my life today. I let go my shame to you, and I receive your honor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. We're going to flow back right now into worshiping Him. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over the spirit of shame and dishonor, the shame of failure, the shame of abuse, the shame of word curses, the shame that's come through generations, the shame that's come upon people here through how they're being treated, the shame of betrayal, the shame of sexual sin, the shame of abuse, the shame of financial lack, 